You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, October 18th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on CSU's latest football game. Then Portia covers local news with updates on how to prepare for election day. After that, Portia reports on music, entertainment, and events news with information on a local spooky woods tour. Then you'll hear interviews with myself, KCSU General Manager Asher Korn, and Station Manager Bryn McCall on college radio being dead or alive. Then McKinley goes over environmental news with updates on drought conditions impacting agriculture in California. After that, I go over national news with updates on the death of two cops and the injury of one who were shot in Connecticut last week. Then stay tuned as you and Perk goes over updates in CSU sports. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. The following Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast was pre-recorded on Monday, October 17th. Now let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Thursday, October 18th. At the Associated Students of Colorado State University meeting last week, the Senate approved the funding request for the Dragula Halloween Bash. The bill was called the House of Ovius's Drag Performance, and it requested $9,000 from ASCSU for their upcoming Dragula Halloween Bash. The co-president of the House of Ovis, the organization running the event, said, quote, This is a great way for not just the student performers, but also staff, students, and community members to learn about the art of drag, end quote. This bill aims to increase LGBTQ plus expression on campus through events like Dragula Halloween Bash. Information from this story comes from the Collegian. This past weekend was Homecoming and Parents Weekend at Colorado State University. The town was filled with school spirit and families who were excited for the homecoming game. On Saturday night, the CSU football team played Utah State. Although they fought hard, the Rams ended up losing the game 17-14. To hear more about this game and other CSU sports, make sure to stay tuned for you and Perth's sports updates. Thank you for listening to my campus news updates. Now on to Portia Cook with your local news. I'm Portia Cook with your local news for Tuesday, October 18th. A stretch of Pitkin is now the home of Fort Collins' first advisory bike lanes. The new advisory bike lane runs from Remington Street on the east to Smith on the west and is designed to improve the safety of both bikers and motorists on narrow roads. According to Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan, in this new bike lane design, there is one center lane marked for two-way motor vehicle traffic with dashed bicycle lanes on each side. The one lane in the middle is not wide enough for two cars going in opposite directions to pass each other while still leaving three feet for space for a bicyclist. So if a bicyclist is present when this happens, the biker has priority. As for how the bike lane will work on Pitkin Street, you should simply travel the center lane until you need to pass by an approaching vehicle. You can then merge into the bike lane and safely pass the oncoming vehicle after you yield to any bicyclist. If you are a biker on the lane, you can simply continue riding in the lane as normal. Additional information on how to use the bike lane can be found at fcgov.com slash bicycling slash Pitkin Bike Way. Election day is coming up, and here's how to register to vote for the upcoming Colorado midterms. According to the Colorado State Voter Registration FAQs, you may register to vote online at www.govotecolorado.gov. If you have a valid Colorado driver's license or state-issued ID card from the Colorado Department of Revenue, 
You may also register to vote online by providing the last four digits of your social security number. You may also register to vote in person Monday through Friday, except for holidays from 8 to 5 p.m. at the following locations. Larimer County Elections at 200 West Oak Street on the fifth floor in Fort Collins. Citizens Information Center at 200 West Oak Street on the first floor in Fort Collins. Loveland Vehicle License at 200 Periodot Avenue in Loveland. And Estes Park Vehicle License at 1601 Brody Avenue in Estes Park. If you are already a registered voter in Colorado, you may confirm your registration by visiting www.govotecolorado.gov. Once your registration is verified, you may update any address or party affiliation as well. If your voter registration is inactive, you may change your inactive status by submitting a signed request, online voter registration application, or making an in-person request. To explore Fort Collins' voting ballot issues, you can join in on the upcoming NOCO Community Conversation. The ballot issue exploration event will take place tomorrow, October 19th from 6 to 7 p.m. in the large meeting room inside of Old Town Library at 201 Peterson Street. This event is organized by the Deliberative Journalism Project. Registration for the event can be found at pooterlibraries.org events. On the evening of October 12th, the Northern Colorado Drug Task Force partnered with local agencies to conduct a criminal and narcotics interdiction event. According to a Northern Colorado Drug Task Force press release, more than 40 law enforcement officers cooperated in an effort to attempt to curb drug distribution and address public safety issues. As a result, numerous traffic contacts were made, resulting in the following. One individual was contacted and arrested for having over a half a pound of suspected methamphetamine and narcotics distribution equipment. One individual was contacted and found to be in possession of suspected fentanyl and drug paraphernalia. One stolen vehicle was recovered. Six individuals were contacted and arrested for outstanding warrants. One individual was arrested for suspected DUI. One individual was arrested for being found to be violating a protection, otherwise known as a restraining order. One individual was arrested after driving with a revoked license as a habitual traffic offender. And 54 contacts for traffic safety violations were made. In the press release, the Northern Colorado Drug Task Force said, quote, We believe this operation is a strong example of the cooperation that exists in the Northern Colorado law enforcement community. A drug task force spokesperson went on to say, From seizing distribution quantities of illegal narcotics to making our streets safer through traffic enforcement, many agencies partner together to make a positive impact on public safety. Multiple agencies and specialty units throughout Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Johnstown contributed to this event, including those within Colorado State University Police and the Colorado National Guard Counterdrug. A Fort Collins man is going to prison for a DUI crash that killed one person and seriously injured a second. On Friday, October 14th, Judge Daniel McDonald sentenced 27-year-old Benjamin Eisenberg to 12 years in prison for causing the fatal crash that killed 34-year-old Alana Thomas. The deadly crash occurred on February 26th in the 7,000th block of North Garfield in Loveland. According to the prosecution, Eisenberg, who was out on bond at the time, was driving between 111 and 113 miles per hour when he hit Thomas's vehicle. His blood alcohol content was three times the legal limit even three hours after the crash. Another woman, a good friend of Thomas's, was hospitalized with severe injuries but survived. According to Sadie Swanson of the Colorado, and Eisenberg pled guilty to all six charges against him, including... DUI-related vehicular homicide, a Class 3 felony, 
reckless driving-related vehicular homicide, a Class 4 felony, DUI-related vehicular assault, a Class 4 felony, vehicular assault resulting from reckless driving, a Class 5 felony, driving under the influence, an unclassified misdemeanor, and reckless driving, a Class 2 traffic offense. Eisenberg is currently being held in the Larimer County Jail. Stay tuned for events, entertainment, and music news with me after the break. Support for KCSU comes from Comet Chicken. Located in Old Town on Mountain Avenue, just west of college, Comet Chicken serves up boneless, skinless, hand-breaded in-house tenders, french fries, salads, sandwiches, and made-from-scratch sauces. Offering no-contact carryout, online ordering, curbside pickup, and delivery from Nosh. Open for lunch and dinner and breaks in between. For more details, visit CometChicken.com. I'm Portia Cook, and I'm back with your events, entertainment, and music news. Join the Black African American Cultural Center, El Centro, the Pride Resource Center, and RAM events for Salsa Night. Salsa Night kicks off tonight, October 18th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the Lori Student Center Theater. Dance instruction will be given by La Quech Dance Academy, and all experience levels are welcome. The Lyric presents live electronic music. The live electronic music event kicks off tomorrow, October 19th at the Lyric in the Big Music Theater from 7 to 10 p.m. Performing live will be D-Blay, Oaklore, Rayon Sim, The Rabbit, Taylor Blythe, and more. Information on these artists and tickets can be found on the Lyric's website at lyriccinema.com slash movie slash live electronic music. Get ready to scream because Loveland is serving up all things spooky with their creepy walk in the woods experience. Creepy Walk in the Woods is an outdoor haunted trail attraction located just west of Fort Collins on US 34 and Glade at 1750 Savage Road in Loveland. According to the event website, this terrifying experience includes a walkthrough of a wooded area filled with horror, blood, guts, and more. The remaining walk dates include October 15th, 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th. Tickets for the Creepy Woods experience can only be purchased in person on the night you intend to walk. Tickets go on sale at 6 p.m. with the first walk starting at 7 p.m. and the last walk ending at 11 p.m. According to the event website, this experience is not intended for children under 11 years of age. Up next, you'll hear interviews with KCSU General Manager Asher Korn and Station Manager Bryn McCall on college radio being dead or alive. As streaming dominates the music and entertainment world, radio continues to take a beating by its competitors. But with nearly 400 U.S. college radio stations and nearly 507 college radio stations globally, is radio dying or is it alive? 
On October 8th, panelists from around the U.S. sat in the Lori Student Center to discuss the life of their campus radio stations and how their college stations contribute to their curriculum, community, and their radio professions. Speaker and moderator David Nelson, who is a professor at KZUC-FM and faculty advisor at the University of Oklahoma, kicked off the College Radio Isn't Dead. It's a live panel with a few words about the current and potential fate of college radio. We've heard it, right? That radio's dead. Uh, It's stale. It's boring. Never since the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which I think contributed to the fact that commercial radio is stale and boring and to be bland. Um, Of course, there's other options out there. And commercial radio in many parts uh, of uh, of the United States has, especially the conglomerates, have filed bankruptcy, huge layoffs. Uh, What else have they done? Oh, automation has basically destroyed future talent uh, from uh, developing. Uh, Well, yes, artificial intelligence is going to replace the radio personality soon, right? I know I've been reading that too, that the technology is obviously there. So local programming has declined. Uh, Commercial radio stations have dropped the idea of local programming, looking for cheaper programming uh, in order to meet that bottom line. So where do you go find your future talent? College radio. Where do you, where are you not really concerned about the bottom line, really, for the most part? College radio. And where else do you find um, unique programming, specialty programming, and stations actually physically going out and connecting, right, to the community? College radio. Uh, Your station, for example, I love the idea that you're going out and doing the brew uh, promotion that you did. What was it? It was the Brew Fest. The Brew Fest. And their presentation, they made the mention of commercial radio stations wouldn't even go out, wouldn't even you know, spend any time out there. Why? Because they're all concerned about how much you're going to pay us to be out there. But who's out there? College radio. Well, so today I wanted to emphasize that college radio is alive. And in some cases, we do know college radio stations have sold their license, right? And have Giving it over to somebody. You mentioned a great example where his uh, decision became WCSP in the late 90s. Sold it for 150000 Yeah. Turned around about a year and a half later, sold it for $10 million. $10 million. So you understand why sometimes presidents, university presidents, go, hmm, how much money could we make from this license? Let's just kill the college radio station and sell it to somebody for six figures or if not in the millions. I live in Oklahoma. Uh, My name is David Nelson, and we have a station that is a low-power FM. It's 13 watts. Uh, We do have a little stick on a radio tower on campus. Uh, As I was telling uh, this uh, other um, session that um, we have a big donor who has donated $35 million to the athletic department but does not like the radio tower. It's too close to the football stadium, and he wants it gone. I've been told in the next three years, it's probably gone. Assistant News Director Kara McKinley caught up with KCSU Station Manager Bryn McCall to get her thoughts on the life of radio and society I'm today. I'm Bryn McCall, and I'm the Student Station Manager of KCSU. Yeah. And do you think that radio is still prevalent in today's culture? I think it's an interesting question. I think that, like, when we talk about the prevalence of radio, I think as 
when we talk about actual broadcast, radio is clearly on the decline. Like the numbers are there. It's pretty obvious. Um, but culturally, I think the work that radio does in the community around it um, isn't really on the decline. And you see that especially on college campuses when we're able to build a strong community around radio and audio work. Um, the radio is very much still prevalent and still important and meaningful to a lot of people. Yeah, and what do you think makes it meaningful to people? I think it's there's something about hearing another person's voice. Like, we have all these streaming services and that's a way that people can listen to music and engage with all kinds of content. Um, but it's very impersonal and coming out of something like the pandemic, which was extremely isolating or any kind of isolating experience, what people really want to hear is another person's voice, especially like a live voice um, of a real person uh, who's speaking to them. I think some of, some of the best experiences I've had in radio have been like from hearing people say things on air that you feel like you're the only one experiencing them. And it's really nice to hear someone say it out loud. And I think that that's what people connect with, with radio. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's, that's really it. We love radio. We love our station. Go KCSU. Additional speaker and panelists included KCSU's own general manager, Asher Korn. Asher shared the impacts of KCSU on students and how KCSU is alive on campus and in the Fort Collins community. We're very much alive. There's a lot going on all of the time. Our curriculum, we have a mission statement and the mission of KCSU is to train students to collaborate, operate a radio station that delivers and creates content that informs and inspires our listeners. So we are a pretty large college station as far as things are concerned. We have an estimated about 250,000 listeners and we broadcast to Loveland, Greeley. It was like the border of Wyoming at one point. So it's not a requirement to go through KCSU in the journalism department, although we do, we did have a radio journalism class taught by the former GM of KCSU and one day the plan is that I will take that over. We have so much cool radio stuff all around everywhere. And the thing with KCSU is for students, we are open, we are welcoming to all students of our community. And during the summer when there aren't students, we invite community members to come in, take training if they want to host a show. So every semester we have three rounds of training for our students to come in, um, go through training, and we have three separate tracks depending on what students want to do. They could be a DJ, podcaster, or reporter. And training is a great way just to learn all the rules of radio, what goes on, X, Y, Z, and we just teach them the basics. So we are pretty involved with our community, and I think we have a lot of different departments. Our news team especially, my news reporter is here today, this is Portia, um, and our local team are always engaged with what's going on in our northern Colorado community and news is always just in the know of what's going on with our stories and just keeping up with our community. Local actively look, looks for local artists to come in, um, perform on the radio and is we get a lot of local submissions that way too. So we are always looking for ways to continue to collaborate with our community. We also host client podcasts and we work with a lot of local venues to do presents shows. So we'll have our name on the ticket and we'll do ticket giveaways on air. And we do, we have local business sponsorships and we do a lot of trade deals that way, which is 
Amazing, a lot of fun. We also, on our website, we have something pretty unique, and the only other organization I've ever seen do this is Scene Magazine, and it's kind of hard to access on that website, but we have an event calendar, which tells you everything that's going on around our community on a given day. So if you're in town and you're looking for something to do, we have an entire event calendar that's up to date, kept up to date, and checked to see, hey, what's going on? Maybe events to go to. We also have campus activities, of course, being on campus and a part of the university. We are not technically affiliated with the university. We are our own separate organization, but we still participate with university events. We have a ton of partners, I've listed them here, but right now we're doing a lot of work with ASCSU and they're letting us be a part of the Senate meetings and just report on them. They're giving us interviews, which is really amazing and um, something I'm relatively new to and I'm, I'm super happy about it. We are also, our sports team is currently reporting on women's volleyball. We also have future plans to go to the basketball championship here in further in the winter and in the spring we have plans to cover men's baseball. And we also do DJ services or remotes. Um, we are right now really booked out, so we can, we're not really open to that, but we, university organizations will reach out to us and ask us to provide music, provide tabling, all of that, and we'll go out there, we'll set it up. It's open to not just staff, but volunteers, and for this we are able to pay our volunteers to be able to do DJ services, which is amazing. And all of our students have a lot of interests, which I think is very important because those interests come back to the station. We actively encourage people to report on things that they're interested in, and the people involved with that tend to hang out at the station, so it, it just goes back away of just full circle. So our programming, here we have a lot of programming going on right now. We have about 30 hosted shows being broadcast tomorrow. So our rotation hours are 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. So once a DJ graduates from training, they must host a rotation show. It's a requirement just to give them the basics, give them what's in the know, let them get comfortable running the board. Rotation shows work by playing about 25% of the music, 50% new, and then 25% DJ choice. So it's every two songs should be new and every one song per break should be local and then DJ choice. <coughs> and then they have practice taking breaks. So specialty shows are 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. They are a little bit more free form. DJs usually choose themes or get full control over the music. They get to bring in music too, as long, of course, it's FCC clean, and uh, get to host a show with a specific vision. Experimental is a little different too, where it's just, we more so, because it's the graveyard shift, we don't make people like hop on for breaks that often, but they do get to bring in their music, so it's largely electronic and very like niche genres in the experimental hours. We also have two podcast hours at 6 a.m. and 11 p.m. that broadcast our podcasts, just to give them some more visibility and like remove them just from the digital platform. We have eight current podcasts and growing. We're expecting a lot more this year. And so as far as success goes, it's a very hard thing, I think, to quantify because to me, everyone is successful in a lot of different ways through KCSU and going out after graduation, doing different things. And I think, importantly, KCSU teaches our students confidence, like comfortability speaking, being themselves, but also like important skills like professionalism, industry standards, and like specific technical knowledge. And I've seen 
because I've been here a while. I've seen a lot of people go out and do amazing things, and not a lot of that has been radio. As far as radio does go, some of our graduates work at Town Square Media and iHeartRadio, which are two larger radio stations around here. Um, we also, a lot of our students end up working in venues like Lyric Cinema, Aggie, Mishawaka, and Shippers Lanes. And recently, a former sports director now works at Ball Arena as promotions. So, in the last couple of years, a lot of our graduates faced some pretty big hardships because COVID, and a lot of people had plans lined up to go into industries and just have them fall through. So in, I've seen them just kind of take that and transform it. Our sports director previously was working with us for about five years and then just couldn't go into sports and it crushed him. But he ended up starting a travel business and he's now come full circle. He's one of our sponsors for our broadcast. So it's really cool just to see how people, you know, still have a passion for things but are still making it happen. And again, because we are not technically a university organization, half our funding comes from our listeners. So we do a fundraiser week 12 every semester, which is DJathon, to raise money for the station, and that money goes towards just making, keeping our station up to date, making it a better place. And I believe if we raise a certain threshold, there is room for a student like project that the station manager gets to decide on how to spend that funding, which is really important. We're also about to end round one of training this year, and we are anticipating 15 new shows coming out of that, which is our biggest graduating class in a few years. And we're having a pizza party, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's always so much to do, and we're always looking to find more things to do and ways to better involved with our community. Kara McKinley and myself then caught up with CSU engineering student Cole, who shared his interesting thoughts on college radio. My name's Cole. Do yeah. you think radio is still prevalent in today's society? Uh, generally, no. Like most people I know don't listen to the radio. Why is that? Why? Because it's way more convenient to play exactly what, exactly what song you want. Yeah. But I think it's like so much less rewarding. And like, why is it less rewarding? to you? Uh, it's like when you have that constant choice, you're, there's no reason to not like, if, if you don't like whatever song you're listening to, you can immediately skip it. And then you, you end up funneling yourself into only listening to like either a very specific genre or only songs that you like. Or if a song makes you uncomfortable, you immediately are like, let me just play something else. Like you, you, you don't you don't become comfortable, just like in whatever environment. Like you end up like restricting yourself to a very like limited number of environments where you're comfortable in. So that being said, why don't you listen to more radio? I mean, whenever I'm driving, I usually do. You do? Yeah, because it's like it's like I find a lot of, a lot of new music that way. Um, what are some of the stations that you go to? Uh, I do you guys 90.5 I do I think 90.9 I do and there's like a classical uh, station and a jazz station I think that it's like 88.9 and 88.3 yeah, or like something that. those are pretty good um, those are the only ones I usually do now yeah. a lot of people do think that radio is in a, in a dying age how do you think radio can make a comeback um, if at all I mean, I don't like ads on radio. That like immediately turns me off. Um, I, 
guess that's something that you also have the ability to skip through on streaming services too. You can yeah. upgrade to premium. You don't have to listen to those ads. So that's yeah. one of the differentiating factors. That makes sense. But I think radio like is what it is, and people are only gonna turn back to it if there's like a cultural shift away from like instant choice and like instant skipping. Do it's you like, ever see that happening? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to speak on either way. But I think as long as like TikTok is insanely prevalent and people are used to used to that mental motion, then playing whatever song you want is going to be the same mental motion. And radio's going to be this foreign motion that's like no one's going to want to do. If you are just tuning in, you just heard interviews with myself, Kira McKinley, KCSU General Manager Asher Korn, and Station Manager Bryn McCall on College Radio Being Dead or Alive. Now, Kara McKinley with environmental news after the break. The annual City of Fort Collins Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day is Saturday, September 10th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the City of Fort Collins Street Facility near East Vine Drive. You can take this opportunity to dispose of any substances that contain ingredients that could negatively affect your health or safety. For more information about the Saturday, September 10th Hazardous Household Waste Collection Day, you can visit fcgov.com hhw. KCSU thanks the City of Fort Collins for their underwriting support. In environmental news, a fire that originally sparked up on October 9th has now burned 2,000 acres in Washington state. Within a matter of hours on Sunday, the fire grew from 156 acres to 2,000 acres. The growth in this fire was due to high winds, warm temperatures, and low humidity. Temperatures within the area were 10 degrees above the average seasonal temperatures. As of Sunday night, officials reported that the fire is only 5% contained. Information from this story comes from CNN. In other environmental news, many parts of the world are experiencing extreme weather conditions such as droughts or floods, which have been impacting all economic sectors in different ways. In California, drought conditions are now impacting tomato farmers as growing costs continue to rise due to the water crisis. 95% of America's processed tomatoes are grown within California's Central Valley. California tomato growers, or CTGAs, were projected to grow 12.2 million tons of tomatoes. In May, that number was revised to 11.7 million tons. And now, as the season comes to a close, it seems it will be even less than that revised number. This will be the fourth year in a row that the CTGAs produce less than expected. This is due to various reasons, such as drought conditions within the region. Information from this story comes from CNN. 
Alaska has now canceled its crab fishing season, which is an unprecedented action from the region. This cancellation is due to conservation efforts. The snow crab species has dropped by 80% in population within the last four years. Last year, snow crab harvest was 5.6 million pounds, which is the smallest catch in over 50 years. These new restrictions will be life-changing, if not career-ending, for those within the industry. Information from this story comes from U.S. Today News. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Now on to national news. In national news, last week, two police officers were killed and one was injured in Connecticut after gunmen fired over 80 rounds at them. The police officers were responding to a domestic abuse call at a home when they were shot. The police officer who was injured but survived was able to escape the gunman's fire and get to an advantage point where he shot and killed the shooter. Officials are investigating the shooting, but at this point in time, the call seemed to have been a part of a deliberate scheme to have lured police onto the scene. Information from this story comes from CNN. In 2018, Nicholas Cruz killed 17 people at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. As of Thursday last week, a jury has recommended that Cruz receives life in prison with no parole. Many families of his victims disagree with this decision, as they think he should receive the death penalty, because they believe that life in prison is not punishment enough, as he will likely be able to read, draw, make phone calls, and receive mail. While his victims, on the other hand, quote, suffered in fear before he killed them, end quote, said a family member of one of Cruz's victims. Cruz's official sentencing will take place in two weeks. Information from this story comes from CNN. In other national news, on October 8th, three people set out on a fishing trip to catch a red snapper in Louisiana, as they had done many times before. But their trip took an unexpected turn after their boat sunk due to extreme weather conditions. The three men then tied together two ice chests to stay afloat. As night came upon the men, a shark attacked them. The shark came upon the men and hit one of their life vests. But the man was able to jab the shark away by hitting its eye. In addition to the shark attack, every 15 to 20 minutes, the men were stung by jellyfish. One of the three men left the group and swam a mile out to try to get attention from a shrimping boat, but the boat left before he could. He then pulled out his phone that was protected by a waterproof case. The phone was on airplane mode and at 5%. It all of a sudden gained connection, and before his phone died, he was able to send his location to a friend, who then received the message and contacted the Coast Guard. After his friend received the message, it only took the Coast Guard 25 minutes to reach his location. The other two members were picked up by the Coast Guard in the nick of time, as they had just been harassed by more sharks. The men were rescued after 28 hours of floating at sea. Information from this story comes from CNN. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to you and Pert with your CSU sports updates. At Colorado State University, the women's rugby team competes in the Mountain West Rugby Conference, working to establish themselves as leaders on and off the field. Women of all different backgrounds, experience levels, and interests are welcome to join the CSU women's rugby team. Practices and home games are held on the IM fields. To get involved and to find the team's game schedule, go to csuwrugby.com. 
I'm Ewan Pert, and welcome to the RMR Sports Update. Up first, we have Volleyball, who is 14-5 on the season. After winning their two road games last week, the Rams will be returning to Moby to host Boise State near the end of the week before heading to Logan to play Utah State over the weekend. Up next is Football, who is 1-5 on the season. After losing a close one against Utah State over homecoming weekend, the team will be looking to improve its own record this weekend when Hawaii comes to town. Up next is Men's Golf. After taking first place in their first two competitions this semester, the golf team is looking to keep up the good play as they head into the DU TBC Colorado Invitational throughout the beginning of the week. Up next is Women's Soccer, who is 4, 5, and 7. After losing one and tying one last week, the team's impressive tie total continues to grow. The soccer team will be hosting San Jose State and Fresno State in the back end of the week. Up next is cross country. In the midst of strong seasons each, both men's and women's cross country will be competing in the Colorado Springs cross country open at the end of the week. I'm Ewan Pert, and this has been your sports update of the week. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, October 18th. If you take a look around, fall and its colors are upon us here in Fort Collins. Aside from those pretty fall colors, today was mostly sunny with a high of 69. Tonight, you can expect clear skies and a low of 52. Wednesday continues with those clears and sunny skies with temperatures jumping up to 78 degrees only in Colorado, right? And Wednesday evening, we will see clear skies and a low of 38 degrees. As for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather report. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just want to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.